Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. In health, Paul Edgecombe, the oldest living person in the world, has passed away at the age of 132 years. The cause of death was reportedly a malfunction in his motorized wheelchair. Georgia Pine staff had just strapped his legs into the chair before the accident, leaving them horrified and unable to remove him. Meanwhile, a spokesperson for Big Juicy Motorized Chairs has denied their chair's ability to carry such a powerful current. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. Hello, constant readers. And today we are covering the movie The Green Mile, and Josh is taking us through our discussion. Wow, three hours. <laughs> so that, long. This movie is a long boy. <laughs> boy, howdy. And it is a long boy. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it, and it, it's wild that... I don't know how we're going to fill a whole episode, because <laughs> we just spent three episodes covering it beat for beat. Yeah, exactly. We just watched the book. The, yeah. We say this all the time. <laughs> yes. There's like a few movies that were like, wow, I can't believe they did it. So scene for scene, beat for beat, I can't think of anything they changed. Uh, can I tell you guys something about this movie? It came out in 99, so I was mm. like... 14 or 15. And I think at that point I had seen kind of the sillier Stephen King yeah, movies, yeah. which was before the time where I appreciated <laughs> horror movies for what they are in some cases. And this is the movie that made me feel like, wow, you can adapt a Stephen mm-hmm. King book into like a just legit, objectively a good movie. It's wild and uh, i i didn't share this we were talking about i i asked if uh michael clark duncan won the oscar for this mm-hmm. didn't he was nominated for best supporting actor very deservedly it was also nominated for best adapted screenplay and it mm-hmm. lost both of those to the cider house rules yes mm-hmm. no i don't think that's, yeah, that's right what yeah, yeah. yeah. Was i've it? seen it yeah. At least Michael yes. Caine won the award for Cider House Rules. I feel like I said that's not right. But anyway, <laughs> the, the other thing is this movie lost. It was nominated, but lost Best Picture. Can you guys guess what it lost to? I am so bad. I know what no. year no. things came out. The Mask. <laughs> no, that wouldn't that wouldn't make me mad. Uh, no, what makes me mad is it lost to fucking American Beauty an objectively oh. shitty movie. I hate American oh. Beauty so much, and it makes me really angry that this <laughs> lost it. That's fair. It's the same reason I was mad that uh, Misery didn't win Best Oscar, but uh, Deer Hunter was that year, and mm. uh, Deer Hunter's pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into some of the stuff, because there are a few changes I wanted to point out that mm. they streamlined these things. First off, how happy were we all see to see Old Paul? Old Paul was just a bookend <laughs> for the whole movie and not like we didn't come back and visit him throughout. I read something somewhere that they originally tried to do old age makeup on Tom Hanks, but it <laughs> it was too unnerving. And so they ended up casting someone. You know, though, given his Paul's true age in the book, <laughs> him being unnerving looking would fit. But this was not a movie that, this was a very serious movie. Yeah. We just have Tom Hanks come back and shoot all that stuff now and then re-edit it together. <laughs> While we were watching the movie, Josh, I think it was you or maybe our friend Andrew, who joined us for watching the movie, yeah. pointed out that they thought that this old man looked a lot like Tom Hanks. Yeah. Do we agree on that? <laughs> It was not me because I didn't. (laughs) I don't agree. I don't know because I hadn't really thought about it until it was mentioned. And then I was like, yeah. (laughs) I could not. I I could only see the old man from the Pixar short about the guy playing chess in the park. (laughs) It took me a minute to make that connection. But yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Also, 
That f- it's not a walk to get to that shed. It's a goddamn hike. Yes. No wonder. It was like a mile. <laughs> I would say it was also Through a green mile. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. It was a green mile. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing is when we finally meet Tom Hanks, he's peeing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a great introduction to Tom Hanks's urine, uh, his urine acting. But- more importantly than his introduction is the introduction of John Coffey because we get in this timeline of the way the story is told, everything is covered at once. So Bitterbuck is there when he arrives. Dell mm-hmm. is already in there when he arrives. And we get the uh, the dead man walking scene with Percy. Was Percy just as insufferable as you thought he'd be during that? Yeah, and I have to say, because I don't want to give the actor kudos because... Mm-hmm. The guy playing him is a real life monster mm-hmm. and married a child and then was confused that he wasn't getting jobs. Ruined his for career a child. because he married a 15 year old when yeah. he was 50 years old. So I don't Gross. know like if it was the real life stuff, but I hated every second he was on screen. It is unfortunate because mm-hmm. just like I think every single person in this movie does a perfect job. The acting yeah. is great. It's, the casting. It makes yeah. sense that a real life creep is able <laughs> to play Percy Wetmore yeah. so well. Every single time Percy <laughs> is on screen, I wanted to stand up and shout, close your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he does he lets so, it hang open. oh my God, he has a butthole mouth and it drives <laughs> me insane. He's constantly just like slightly puckering and like, <laughs> Oh, it's unpleasant. He is the most punchable person on screen. Mm-hmm. And he does, it sucks because he does a fantastic yeah. he job. He does get punched, which we'll get to. <laughs> and it's a relief. <laughs> uh, circling back, the introduction of John Coffey besides Percy's mm-hmm. punchability. Mm-hmm. How did that play out to you? Oh, See the the reveal. Of- it's very good. He's so, he just, tow- he towers over, like Tom Hanks. It made me question what I thought I knew about Tom Hanks, was <laughs> which was that he is above average tall guys. Like what? He's six, six foot. Six foot. So taller than the average American mm-hmm. male. And I was like, whoa, is he like five? He's like my height. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie makes me wish there was an Oscar for casting. Holy shit. Because this yeah. might be the best cast movie. E- everyone is. I mean, Tom Hanks, throw Tom Hanks into anything. I'll watch it. Mm. Yeah. But of course, everyone is. We could spend the entire episode raving about Michael Clark Duncan. Absolutely. Yes. But. In this opening scene, cinematically, they do so many things so incredibly well because uh, when John is driven up, he's in the back of the prison truck. Paul looks out the window and says, oh, they busted the back axle (laughs) because it's riding so low on the wheels. And they're like, what'd they do? Blow a spring. And when you see them lead John Coffey out of the back of the truck, you see the car lift a foot just from the size, the bulk of this man. And I said, love who they got cast as brutal. I forget his name. They may have his name more, something more. Um, He's a character actor. You've seen him in stuff. He's he's David Morse. Yes. Every time I see him, I'm like, hey, that guy. (laughs) I like that guy. But he's a huge dude. Yeah, he's like 6'4". Yeah. He's taller than Tom Hanks. Yeah, and he is dwarfed. Yes, mm-hmm. he um, comes up to like coffee's not even collarbone. <laughs> it makes me wonder how much of that because obviously Michael Clark Duncan was a giant of a man, mm. but there are some of the shots that I'm like, I wonder if they they goosed him a little bit. Like, oh, if they he's had standing, to. Although when you see him like touch people, his hands off. are huge <laughs> when he shakes. Oh, uh, Paul's yeah. hand, and it just <laughs> looks like he's shaking the hand of a child. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> the the casting, every single character is so mm-hmm. good to the part. We see a bunch of Frank Darabont's like go to yeah. yeah the gentleman with the eyebrows who is also in the mist. <laughs> <laughs> gentleman with the eyebrows. I, I don't know anyone's name. <laughs> we're we're s- character actors. Uh, which Jeffrey I love. De, uh, Jeffrey Demun. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Every, everyone's really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 
because we we established we go through this basically beat for beat. So I'm going to really jump around to just scenes that I want to talk about because mm-hmm. I feel like that's the most efficient yeah. use of our time. Going off of our introduction to John Coffey in this docile giant that you know we have the scene with him and Paul in the cell, the handshaking where we see he's this very meek man. And almost immediately we go to the Dederick twins sequence. Mm-hmm. How did the seeing that play out hit for you after we've covered it on the book? This was the first time I almost cried. Same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really rough. Just oh, they did a good job mm-hmm. visually. Mm-hmm. The scene is amazing. And it's his anguish really that got me because I know he didn't kill them. So I, right. can, yes. I can feel, I can see like, oh, his pain is because he came across these dead little girls and he tried to help and he couldn't. And he's grieving over that so, so, so hard. There is a shot when they first hear his wailing. It cuts to this very distant shot. You can't really mm-hmm. see the details, but the way he is sitting mm-hmm. with these dead girls in his arms, he is sitting with his like legs splayed out in front of him. It is so not the position a violent the like. Yeah. It is so obvious. It's childlike. That it is not a yes, yes. It, it's so innocent. Yeah, like yeah. you said, CM. It's he's very obviously cradling and grieving these girls. Mm-hmm. He's rubbing their their hair that like the way you would if you found somebody you love, you know, you mm-hmm. you would be holding them and But ugh. the the way it is shot is it is a shocking Yeah. Uh, a shocking shot because he is covered in blood and <laughs> see yeah, seeing it is so it's on such another level, seeing the grief-stricken mm-hmm. father screaming and having mm-hmm. to be pulled off of him, him, and the way that what his statements are, mm-hmm. and then you think about those statements being read word for word in court and it, how it all just it falls into place yeah. so easily. Yeah. I, I think Frank Darabont's just a fucking good at his job, He's right? so mm-hmm. good. He and Stephen King wrote the screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's... He he doesn't do a lot of flashy stuff yeah. direction wise. It is mostly very just shot straight on. It mm. looks good though. The movie but it is pretty. Looks <laughs> so fantastic. And it holds up. Yeah, a it really does. There is another change they made to Percy's character that it's very minor, but it led to a very funny thing. In the book, it's very stated that Percy has excellent aim as that's brought back with (laughs) the gun. But in this, the first attempt to kill Mr. Jingles nearly succeeds in the book, but in his first attempt in the movie is the wackiest slapstick. It's fucking great how over the top it is. It really gets the point across of what a fucking unstable loser Percy is. Because it is cartoonish the way he reacts to Mm -hmm. this. And it should not it shouldn't come off so well the way it does like they shouldn't have been able to pull it off because it's kind of silly and goofy and even the music in some of those moments is just like bordering that like goofy comedy mm-hmm. thing but something about the way they do it it's, well, it's way, the way the yeah. other characters react to yeah, it yeah. is what it is uh, the reactions in this movie mm-hmm. are yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. The way the they're the not guards like, oh, shucks. Just, they're just like disgusted. Yeah, yeah. Right. There are a lot of shots of people just reacting, face acting, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, full on, just going through their emotions, and they it reads so well because mm-hmm. everyone is just acting their ass off. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. great. Well, this so he throws his baton at the mouse and it ricochets off the floor across the bar, Bitterbuck's cell. So he nearly hits an inmate and then he's throwing the trash can. And it's so loud that Brutus and uh, Paul hear it from outside and run yeah. in. And then they come in to see Percy emptying the impossible amount of stuff from that restraint room, which is also fucking hilarious. 
the amount of stuff that fits in that tiny room. That surprised me. Yeah. I, I expected clutter, but that was like, oh, you can't even get to the back of that room unless you empty it out first. That's how and stuffed it was. great how the, the way it's shot, they, they pull everything out and they put it in the middle of the green mile <laughs> yeah. in the exact shape that it was in the room. So you really get the sense of the dimensions of yeah. this room. It's good. Uh, the execution of Bitterbuck. Did losing everything we know about this character change it for you? No, only because the movie was three hours long. I, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, I was too distracted by Harry Dean Stanton as Toot Toot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, toot Toot. That was great. It's like he's so funny. They don't. They don't like go at the beginning of it i i had to say did i miss them like (laughs) introducing this character i didn't because they're just like okay we're gonna rehearse and then they have this old dude being toot toot (laughs) walking down the mile and you're like who the fuck is this guy supposed to be and what do they refer to him as Uh, he's a trusty a trusty uh i think it's kind of assumed that he's also a prisoner like, right? Isn't that yeah. what a trustee yeah, is? Yeah, I just didn't, I'm, I just wasn't familiar with that term in this context. So when they finally said that, I was like, oh, that's how they're telling us who he is, except yep. what? <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Now I want to jump even further because I want to get to Wild Bill yep. and Wild Bill's entrance to the mile. I have three things I need to say <laughs> first off, though, and about the fact that Sam Rockwell as mm. Wild Bill. One he is certainly not 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Two, he is too charismatic. <laughs> and C, he is perfect. One, did you say one, two, C? Yes. <laughs> I agree with all of that. It is, uh, he, it's Sam Rockwell. He uh, just choose the scenery. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a, a slight disappointment to me personally that they made him not hot. Uh, just, you know but that's what, ben? all about Sam Rockwell. Ben? So uh, with ya. we all yeah, deserve right? a hot Sam yeah, Rockwell. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. Something about him. It's charisma. charisma. It's charisma. Yeah, a yeah. thousand percent. It just drips out of his pores. He's just everything. Which he's in, is he's great. impressive because the character is even more unpleasant than the book. Yes. I think he's gross, and he has these teeth that are just nasty like uh, you shouldn't be like what's up with wild bill but you kind of are (laughs) i I gotta say there's one thing that i i was expecting and it didn't happen and i was a little disappointed is they introduce him and he is zoned out Mm -hmm. (laughs) blankness on sam rockwell's face as he is like drooling Mm -hmm. and staring i was like wow he's going for it i hope he watches himself in this and goes yeah yeah (laughs) but he's they're they're like getting him uh he's going through intake they are changing him into his uniform uh his prison uniform Mm -hmm. and i was fully expecting the attack to be them stripping him naked and then attacking them while he was buck ass naked. <laughs> and that didn't happen. I was like, just a dream. That's ben. a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Am I showing too much yes. of how I feel about Chris Rockwell? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Let's change the subject. His now in the book, when he comes If they would just get him in the shower. <laughs> and just, when they pulled out they the start hose, soaping him up. Yeah. The, the hose came out and Ben's like, maybe. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I like this movie (laughs) the fight with Wild Bill coming onto the mile is Mm -hmm. absolutely horrifying in the book where it's talking about him it's like he's gonna saw off Dean's head with the chains seeing it in action combined with the natural charisma of how Sam Rockwell is like raising high hell is almost too funny to make I was just gonna say it wasn't in it, it was well done mm-hmm. and it was effective. I wouldn't call it intense because Sam Rockwell was having fun. Mm-hmm. Like Wild Bill was enjoying every moment of that. Uh, when as he's like the getting ready, Percy calls him a wet noodle. <laughs> yeah. this, this guy's not a troublemaker. He's a wet noodle. And then as he's choking Dean to death, he looks over and he's 
telling Percy, come on, come and hit me. <laughs> come on, do it, you wet noodle. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. When he kicks Tom Hanks in the dick Ooh. and you watch him collapse. Oh. Especially because Tom Hanks is uh, the best thing Tom Hanks does in the movie is his pain acting. Oh, absolutely. He's acting with his penis. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's, penis forward. Yes. yes. And yeah, he's he's like been going through the the infection. Infection, mm-hmm. whatever. And they, at the start of this scene, there's a scene of him just walking up to the desk on the mile. And I don't know if either of you have ever been in so much pain that you can bear, like you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. You can barely function mm-hmm. as a human. Tom Hanks is, you can see mm, it every in bit. every movement. And then he gets kicked in the dick. And you're like, oh, no. I love when he, they all. <laughs> yeah. I think he, this is my favorite part of the yes, entire movie. Good. He goes, he's alone in the corridor and he just drops to his knees and, and he's just got this look on his face. And then he slowly just crumples completely flat on the floor it's so great is that he like your face down laying completely still and then it's when his like his heels come to rest Yep. That that's it's the it's second perfect. John Coffey speaks up. And he's oh like, my gosh! I need to that talk to you, boss. So, <laughs> yeah, the and he's pause. Like, it's not a good time. <laughs> the, the pause. Uh-huh. I need to talk to you, boss. And <gasps> now is not a good time, John Coffey. <laughs> it's so perfect. I'm like Tom Hanks. Wow. You're a treasure. Oh god, it's so amazing. What do you guys think of the effect of John's power? Uh, question to add on to that difference between through the bars or in the seat next to him. Again, that was three a change hours, that I thought was interesting. Quicker, like, sure. <laughs> I think maybe visually like they thought it would be more believable because you don't have so all too. of that like he felt like he was hypnotized mm-hmm. almost. That was one thing. The of course, because how do you show that? Without voiceover, which would be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I wish there would have been a little more sense of that. Because mm-hmm. later on, when James Cromwell, as yeah. the warden, has the shotgun on John. It's like, why isn't he shooting him? <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's one thing that I don't think comes across super well. But it, it doesn't. Yeah, it almost l- seems like, especially that. that scene on the porch... If I didn't know any better, I probably would have just assumed it's his sheer presence that mm-hmm. kind of mesmerizes you. Yeah. I, yeah. I really like the hand, just the close-up of the hand gripping yeah. his junk. I, I do like, the, I, I liked all the light stuff. Like yeah. when he mm-hmm. uses his power, lights explode, which is rad. But also he, like his hands glow. And I thought that effect was nice. And then the bug effect held up really well yeah, too. Yeah, the bug effect is great. That was something I was surprised how well that's held up. Uh they do I think it's probably better than if they tried to do the same effect now. Oh. Yeah. I feel like if they tried to do it now, they would try to make it look more like bugs. Mm-hmm. And this it is so d- due to, you know, I technological reasons I would yeah. assume. It's very indistinct. It's just like these black Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost it like could be ashes, particles. But it yeah. could be this, or it could be this. Yeah, it, it is hard to parse what you're looking at, yeah. which I think is Makes to the benefit yeah. of the movie. And when they poof out, is is really good. It gave me strong Silent Hill vibes when they turned to yes. ash. Oh, and then oh my uh, god, what if Michael Clark Duncan <laughs> played Pyramid Head? <laughs> god, that would have been awesome. I anyway, like, I like that they went out of their way to let us know that Tom Hanks and his wife banged four times in one night afterwards. <laughs> so much that cut is banging. hilarious. So fucking oh, funny. We see it very like the '30s. We, you know, instead of panning to the window and the curtains blow gently in the breeze, we are outside of the house, sort of looking up at the window, like POV. It's, it's dark. We're it's not on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you just Frank and Steve. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the middle of the night and you mm-hmm. hear moaning and sexist noises and it fades out and you go, Oh, no Tom Hanks sex scene. Okay. That's fine. And then it comes fades back in and it's morning and there's still yeah. sex sounds. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, get it, Tom. And immediately after he starts to call in sick and we were all like, all right, yeah. all right, sir. I you're calling in sick. <laughs> oh, God, so good. 
But instead of calling in sick to have sex with the lady from Jumanji, <laughs> uh, he instead calls in sick and goes to hang out with Gary Sinise. Interesting yeah. choice to make Hammersmith his attorney instead of just a newspaper reporter who covered mm-hmm. his story. I think it is a fantastic change yeah. because mm-hmm. it shows how much the system failed. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. a good change. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. And Gary Sinise looks like a creep. So <laughs> yeah. he's just got he's that got face. He's got a slimy vibe. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we do get uh, another bit of sex jokes with the cornbread the gift of cornbread. And he's like, <laughs> I love that he, when he gives it to coffee, he's like, uh, the missus made this for helping me with my problem. And he's like, what? Post quitters <laughs> cornbread. God, that's the dream, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you just want someone who's going to make you some cornbread I just, after. I just love cornbread. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Like, cornbread and Sam Rockwell. These are the things I love. Also, his acting out, the spitting on people, peeing on people. How is that still charming? Because it's Sam Rockwell. We uh, Sam, were you happy with the moon pie? <laughs> yes, although thank you for pointing out that I would have swallowed the moon pie. <laughs> Just although I don't and Devin's like, you don't like moon pies, which is true. <laughs> I think they're gross. They but are. the point is if I'm eating dessert, I'm swallowing it. It's so gross. I don't like, I do not like <laughs> that. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but think of being the actor that had to get yeah. a moon pie spit in his face. <laughs> now, I would not enjoy that. You know what's worse? Watching, we skipped over it, but Bitterbuck get his head shaved. <laughs> yeah, you did have a, a reaction <sighs> to that. I looked away. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to not hear it. He too. didn't get nicked. So there was that. At least that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I've just been hurt too much by razor blade commercials for women. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. The system really hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the the death and rebirth of Mr. Jingles. Oh. Because that is, it's very, a very small change, I think. But instead of the attack on Percy leading to him wet his pants and it immediately going to killing the mouse, it is established that peeing his pants moment happens. And then this is a bit later. So mm-hmm. you've had time to sit with the... Percy being a dick and yeah. taking his vengeance out on a mouse. I was happy, though. I feel a little bit validated because <laughs> coffee heals the mouse. And it's it's horrible watching the mouse get stepped on. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's, a mouse got yeah. stepped on. And when coffee... Disagree. I thought it looked... You ever seen a mouse get stepped on? No, Ben. Don't. I have. No. Stop oh. it. Uh, oh. In grade school one time, a kid brought a mouse to school. And was playing around with it on the playground, and another kid ran by playing basketball and stomped on <gasps> it. And fun fact, when you stomp on a mouse, all its guts come out. Oh, no! Why are you telling us this? I, I have, <laughs> if I had to I remember to that trauma. after this. <laughs> I, I haven't thought of that thought oh in 30 years. But so. it's proof that it didn't kill Del, or didn't kill Mr. Jingles, because his guts would have come out. True. Okay, so cof- coffee heals <laughs> Out of their him. mouth. Out of their mouth. Oh, God. There's only two exits. Stop it, you guys. Jeez. Mm. Co- oh, coffee I'm heals him. I'm not happy him. about it. <laughs> and, oh, never mind. That's a different part. What? Oh. Sorry, I'm just going to say it now. We're, later, yeah. later, coffee's holding Mr. Jingles when Dell gets executed, and he's yeah. reacting to, like, he can feel what's happening or sense it somehow, and he accidentally puts some of what he has into Mr. Jingles, and you see it. You see sort of like... I don't remember if they have a visual or if it was just a sound and then Mr. Jingles darts away. Yeah. It looks like he is crushing Mr. Jingles in his hands mm-hmm. because he is holding them and his hands are gripped so tight. And, shaking. and you know he that the mouse is in his mm-hmm. hands and you're going, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then something, yeah, there's a noise or something and he lets go. And I swear to God, the mouse rockets yes! out of his hands. Yeah. He like, like fires yeah. out of his Projectile shoots a mouse across mm-hmm. the room. And then it scrambles yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, since we're uh, we're talking about it, Dell's execution. That's Oof. very well done. Wow. Like, effect wise, not not Percy. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a good effect, but there is some of the like once once he starts bursting into flames, mm-hmm. I could not help but think, wow that's a really high-end 
haunted house uh, (laughs) decor because the way the body is like jerking Mm -hmm. it looks very i i uh last year i worked at uh, one of our local haunted houses (laughs) as a haunt actor awesome but we they have Mm -hmm. uh, an electric chair mannequin Mm -hmm. it looked similar did you sit in big juicy oh fuck no (laughs) oh by the way would it have looked better to you if it had been sloppier Wetter? Goopier? Like if we had seen his <laughs> eyes explode? Yeah, or just his skin sloughing uh, off? Yeah. yeah. It, we are thankfully... Gorier. Well, I mean, the shot of his charred head the, is yeah. thankfully the worst we yeah. see, and it's bad. It is a good... That's a good prop uh-huh. or makeup job or something. I think this is one of those... We've talked about it in several adaptations where a movie can improve on the novel. And I think this moment, seeing Coffee react to the execution, mm-hmm. showing that he feels all of that basically, basically just because of proximity. Yeah, because we don't and, get the line about connection. the chair with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that that is... That builds that character so much more and it, it solves our Mr. Jingles problem. Yeah. It also slightly and this is jumping to the end (laughs) it doesn't completely fix the problems i had at the end of the book Mm -hmm. with coffee wanting to die i still think that's bullshit uh i still wish when they had went to coffee he would have been like you kill me if you want but blood's Mm -hmm. on your hands right it doesn't fix that John Coffee wants to die, but between adding that scene and just Michael Clark Duncan's acting and portrayal, when he says, I'm tired of living, it's like glass in my head. Mm. He, being able you to feel see for him, yeah. his misery makes mm-hmm. it fe- makes you feel a little more like, okay, I You look like he you're I watching understand. someone who is suffering yes. as much as he says it he is. still sucks yeah i still think they should have just let him go but it, i it tried does. to get you guys to stop the movie when they're in the truck on the <laughs> yeah. way to hal and melinda's house and call it the end Nobody we, we would discussed listen. this our version is uh they sneak at john coffee out every night to give him driving lessons in that car mm-hmm. and then it, they let him take off on yeah uh, ben we talked about on another episode of kung fu style yeah where john coffee just travels from town to town Solving people's mm-hmm. mysteries in a perfect way. It's a poker face. But it's yeah. Oh God, poker face is so good. John Dardiel of the Mountain Goats is in that show. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about that. For <laughs> but it's after this that we do get Percy punched in the face by yeah. Brutal, and that is per- that moment is so, so fucking solid because it's. It, we got so annoyed with it in the book that that's him repeating over and over. I didn't know it was supposed to be wet. That had being his excuse for it. And the fact that he says it one time and Brutal just punches him straight in the face. So good. I, I do wish they would have needled him more. I yeah. would have loved when the warden comes down to be like, what the hell was that? And I, I wish Brutal and Paul would have been more like, mm. Percy fucked up because he's bad at his job. Aren't you, Percy? Tell him <laughs> how bad you are at your job, how you're an incompetent. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do love, though, the way that Tom Hanks delivers that line when he's like, Wild Bill's singing about it. He's like, well, can you carry a tune? And then everybody just sort of stops. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little bummed that in the uh, we're coming up on the Cold Mountain Hall Pass Mm. uh, where we go to the the Moors to save Melinda Moores. And Ben, you pointed out. Yeah. Earlier, when they leave to go out the tunnel, that even Brutal mm-hmm. has to hunch. It's when when they take Dell, or no, not Dell, uh, Butterbuck. Butterbuck. They take it down this old brick tunnel, and when the guy playing Brutal pushes the gurney down the hallway, he has to duck to go. And I was like, that is such a cool small detail to show when we come down here with coffee. That like they're gonna have to be like, oh, what the hell do we do? And then we don't get, and then that. we don't yeah. get it. What a missed opportunity! I wanted to see him. Uh, I wanted the gurney. I wanted him, mm. the him riding on the gurney. That's the most disappointing part of this movie, which tells you how great it is. <laughs> That's very, very true. Before they leave, though, there are two things I want to touch base on. Before I feel like it's almost a point of no return, uh, and that's one: the fact that with both executions that we get before coffees we are only given that uh dell 
caused a fire is all we're found out about his what he did. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, he's here on death row and Bitterbuck. We never get any information about what they did. Do you think that is specifically so we will the audience will only feel negative feelings seeing somebody put to death? Yeah, because I was just thinking, what if John Coffey had touched Dell and Ooh. saw what he did to that little girl? Because John Coffey is nice to Dell. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's a very good point. Real quick, this means nothing to any of us in this room, but listeners, if any of you have kids and this means something to you, Dell is played by Mr. Noodle from Elmo's World, who is apparently a bumbling mime. <laughs> and I want so bad to know, I, I, I want to hear from a kid that grew up with Elmo's world and then saw this movie, <laughs> how they felt about death. Because I looked it up and it's just, M- Mr. Noodle is just this guy dressed like a clown. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, That's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, is this another one of those uh, times where reading the book doubles what you get from the movie because we yeah. have all that implied history with what their crimes were mm-hmm. and the severity of it. I think so. All right, let's get to our, our Cold Mountain Hall pass. <sighs> Man, coffee seeing the stars and the mm-hmm. leaves bit, it's all so fucking magical and so honest, it feels like. It made me think of something. This is kind of a wild speculation. My question is, how old is John Coffey? Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, God. Right? Uh, I think I had that thought earlier and I never made it. How old was Jesus? So. (laughs) That age, that age. So, when, in the book and in the movie, when John Coffey comes out, he looks up and he sees Cassiopeia in the sky, the constellation, right? This book takes place in 1935. Mm -hmm. We have no history of John Coffey. He is covered in scars. In the old days, slaves knew the constellations because they were used to travel north. They would use the stars. They would use the stars to learn crop rotations and stuff. So constellations are something that someone that had been a slave in 1865, when slavery was outlawed, would know a lot about constellations. And he seems to not remember so much that like that being something he really knows would make sense. So if part if he gave a part of himself to Mr. Jingles and Paul and it made a <laughs> little bit of his power made them live 30 times their expected lifespan in the mouse's case at least yeah. how old is John Coffee? Holy shit. How long has he been around? And they just killed him. That's amazing. Also though if let's just throw out let's say 300 years old imagine living life like this for 300 years that breakdown mm-hmm. of i'm ready to be done also makes, makes more sense more yeah. sense did you feel we lost anything by losing the having to travel past the electric chair to get out scene where we have that the the voices are still in there I think yeah. that was kind of replaced by the John Coffey reacting to Dell's yeah. execution because yeah. he says when they're leading him out, like I felt John uh, Dell yeah. go. It was it. It's equally as good, I think. But as a reader, that is one of those moments that from the book, like I'm anticipating and waiting for because it's just such a it's a Stephen King moment. Mm-hmm. If I was gonna name one in this book, it would be that. So just personally, I'd like to see that come to life. But yeah, I don't I, I don't think I think that's just me. <laughs> I, I like the way in the book that that moment rolls over everybody. Yeah. And that everybody has to deal with that knowledge going forward mm-hmm. forever. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah, we lose that a little bit. And this is something else though. we get to the Moors get inside and we heal Melinda Moores ruining their foundation. By yeah. beyond reproach. That made me jump. <laughs> because when he, when he starts healing her, the entire house, the, the way Moves. they- Yeah, it the entire yeah. set jumps. Yes. It's Their crazy. Their structural foundation is fucked. <laughs> For sure. I want to see the making of that scene, though, because I bet it's yeah. super cool. Uh, so this is the question I have that I don't know if it's anything. I just noticed it in this particular scene. 
when coffee is taking it away, he the lights in the room mm-hmm. go up as we've seen him use his powers. But for some reason, the way they did it in that room reminded me of when they roll on one. It's that yeah. same brightness when we see them roll on one and Wild Bill, he, when he looks up and mm-hmm. he sees his light bulb get bigger. It's like things are starting. And I like, there's got to be something to that. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, But I, I don't know if I'm smart enough to know the answer. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know if that's... If anybody else listening has any idea what that might mean or if I'm missing uh, some piece of subtlety, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear it. All right, let's jump to... Back at the mile, because the moment they release Percy from the restraint room, it, it all goes haywire. Oh, man. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> so the moment they let Percy out, give him his gear back, we get the the follow through like we did in, in the book, except for a small difference in that uh, Wild Bill got to be awake for this one. I, I loved right when he walks out and he's passing John Coffey's cell. That moment when he... I just love the way they did this because that actor is the shortest mm-hmm. of them the all. Cast, yeah. yeah. And the way he looks up and up and up and then it cuts to John Coffey kind of from his POV and it's just so... It's When he grabbed him through the bars, it was really cool. I loved that. Oh, that's another thing. Coffey in his cell. The amount of times we see... Coffee standing at mm-hmm. the edge of his cell, but we don't see his face because it like all we see is chin and below. Yeah, that also it's helps so to make him fucking cool. Seem bigger. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like there's moments. There was a moment uh, when the camera was shooting from inside of Dell's cell out, and I didn't realize Coffee was had been standing there that whole time, mm-hmm. but he's there the entire goddamn time. And when we when we're like kind of behind Coffee and we're looking towards Stell and like Paul is walking mm. up for some of those scenes. It's from Coffee's height almost and it's and you feel how everybody's just tiny. Yeah. They did a lot of really like subtle things that I didn't really pick up on until we were talking about it. We've already talked a little bit about the conversation of asking John what he wants. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about this? I liked that this it's a movie, so it's the smart choice to make it a monologue as opposed to in the book. Mm-hmm. It specifically said this is the most he's ever said, and it's like four sentences. Mm-hmm. So the movie gives John Coffey way more dialogue than the book does. And he's such a great actor mm-hmm. that I'm glad because he comes up to the bars more often, too, and will yeah. make comments, like participates more in what's happening instead of in the book. He's primarily sitting on his bunk crying. I, I feel like everyone is even more resigned to let him die in the movie mm-hmm. um, because like Paul's wife doesn't argue for it. She Man. She's just like, you should go yeah. ask him. It really sucks for you that you have to go through this, mm-hmm. Paul. You must be having a really the Jan hard time. I flip out scene, but I, yeah. I understand why they streamlined all of that. Yeah, because God forbid you have a wife get angry at their husband <laughs> in a movie. Uh, After all the sex he's given yeah. her in this. <laughs> Gives it to her good. She's mad. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I, all of my complaints still stand, but it, I, Tom only, Hanks and Michael Clark Duncan are there. Yeah, so I, I have to to give like the actors the actors credit because they make the scenes the work. Yeah, they they give the gravity and weight to it that you're wanting. John Coffey's last wish to see a movie. Oh man, it's so fun because this again not in the book, but. When I think of this movie, this is the shot I think of is John really? Coffey with the projector lights or like haloing his head as he's looking onto the screen. I didn't remember that that movie, that's the movie that sets old Paul off in the opening scenes. Mm. And when we get to that, it's like, aw. <laughs> that I don't know how I feel about that. Only because it felt like. I'd never be able to watch that movie again if I then killed that guy. <laughs> I'd be like, that movie's ruined for I would have left the room. If I, was old I mean, Paul. I guess it's not fair to say I would never stop thinking about it, but it was it felt weird to me that something that loosely connected brought it seemed to bring it all back so hard where I feel like that's not something He'd never seen a movie, though, so they were watching him watch it. That's hey, true. Oh, no, that's sorry, a good point. You don't ever watch 
people watch movies for the first time, <laughs> like Devin and I do to you all the time. So you don't know the joy Got or it. sorrow. <laughs> it's like only that it's in the beginning, it's very much treated like seeing the movie is what triggered him to remember this stuff to start it, talking yeah. about it. But then you take a moment back and realize he's spent every day with Mr. Jingles. Like Mr. Jingles has mm-hmm. been around him every so I, I think it's because his lady friend saw him react. And, that, and that's what made him say, like, up. I guess I it's have like to. When you're on the edge and someone's like, Are you okay? And you're like, oh, No, no, I'm crying. Because <laughs> you asked if I was okay. Yeah, that's no, that's a really good point. And it, it we do get a little bit of how close the two of them are. I yeah. wish I do wish we'd gotten a little uh, I wish there'd been a little more sexual tension with these old people. <laughs> I just, I wish there'd been a little more. Uh, Sam Rockwell they, took they? it all. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about mm. the final execution of our episode. What would you guys think of John Coffey's execution scene? Hard to watch. Yes. David Moore's. I, everybody did a really good job, but he's the one who got me so hard because he, like everybody, you can tell they're all devastated and Tom Hanks's eyes are, are like on the verge of spilling tears. But when it cuts to him, he's, you can see his, like the muscles in his mm. face are tense and shaking. Like he's holding back like a sob. And it's it, so subtle. I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. not looking forward to, I was dreading it. The, the oh. The only thing that took me out of it a little bit was when the guy in the booth is crying also. And it's like, you weren't, you're he not a part, part of this, of buddy. No, never <laughs> he's, you know, he's think, just really sensitive. He's yeah. reacting to his friends being he's, sad. He's a sympathetic crier. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. That's on me. You're absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. Um, which one is it? Is it Dean? Dean is, is openly oh, sobbing. Yeah, and Paul's like, because they're facing coffee, putting the shackles on his ankles. And Dean's crying and like snotting. And Paul's like, you need to wipe your face before you stand up. And we have the parents yelling, they, you know, kill him twice. And Do you think anybody in the audience saw the handshake? Everybody had to hand. see it. That I was expecting that was just some reaction. That was yeah. just for us so that people didn't cry too hard. <laughs> Imagine Frank Darabont changed the ending. Because Tom, of the mist. Tom Hanks shakes shakes uh, uh, John Coffey's hand and then yells, roll on two. <laughs> Holy <they> fuck. <laughs> takes them I, both out. This doesn't, this doesn't work or make to sense. Heaven together. But in my head, this has to do with the ending of the mist. Oh, God. Because... No. <laughs> Ben just made me remember that John Coffey's sobbing, singing I'm in heaven yep. over and over. Don't like it. And I forgot it blissfully for a moment and it broke my heart all over again. Hearing Michael Clark Duncan sob, sing I'm in heaven while Tom Hanks mm-hmm. makes his voice crack That's, to roll on too. I was like, this bothered me. Oh. It's, it is such a, it is such a, I, I think I mentioned it last. It is emotional manipulation. It is. That's what I hate everything it. is. I know, but I hate it. I would hate it if it didn't make sense that being he just watched the movie. Yeah. Like no, that, I know. It's just, bit, it's so hard. Can I, f- okay. Yeah. So in the mist, we have like the gut punch. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned I, it. No, I follow. I have no, to finish I'm the thought. Yes. And I feel like this was, you know, because it's Frank Darabont. Mm-hmm. This handshake was just for us to not punch us in the gut. It's just very interesting, you guys. <laughs> it was it was him testing the waters yeah. for how bad can yes. I make people feel with yeah. the end of a movie. He's like, you know, I really, I really pissed out. <laughs> <laughs> I can make this worse. In fact, uh, Stephen King, I have an idea. Next time, next time I have the chance, I'm going to kill all of his characters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not to take away from the emotional weight that you guys just... <laughs> outstanding. Especially because I thought I knew what you meant, which is why I moved on. And it turns out I did not. What do you think I meant? I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were... Taking a road I didn't want to travel. <laughs> should we? Should so you were going to propose that the god monster shows up at the end? <laughs> I. It, That's also big juicy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the name of my god That's, monster. That's that what takes coffee, me to the tower. Listen to her. Coffee opens his mouth. Episode. The stuff starts coming out, and then the five foot tentacle comes <laughs> firing out of his oh. mouth. Uh, ratings. Yeah. Shall we? CM. 
Uh, sorry, I'm now I'm in a weird headspace <laughs> because I just named a monster Big Juicy. So I'm like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> Good way to end the night, though. So I go to bed sad. <laughs> this movie, I already said, I said it like the first five minutes we started rolling. It's a movie that showed me that King movies can be those these adaptations can just be done really really well and i do have a soft spot in my heart for all of the shitty ones <laughs> <laughs> but this movie's so great the acting is amazing the effects hold up it's it just looks really beautiful five out of five blue chambray shirts it's a very very good movie all of the problems that i've had from the book stand but the the charisma, the the acting skill from the entire cast. I thought you're just gonna say so, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> so good. Sam Rockwell's there. So I I can't say it's a perfect movie. It's three goddamn hours long. Uh <laughs> and the ending still bums me out too much to give it a perfect score. But I will say four out of five blue chambray shirts. <laughs> I liked the the changes that streamline the story into one solid timeline mm-hmm. and none, none of the confusing jumping around. I like the additional. I like John Coffey being more active. I loved mm-hmm. all that stuff. It, it works. The cast is perfect. We've said all this so much. It's so good. Five out of five blue chambray shirts. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we are taking a brief break from our Patreon selection series, to welcome a guest to our show for the short story, That Feeling That You Can Only Say What It Is in French, from the book Everything's Eventual. And after that, we'll be back to our Patreon selection series with Desperation, where we will be covering through part one. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm Sam Alexander reminding you, you can't hide what's in your heart. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Green Mile Part 4. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. You can send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. We love to hear from you guys. Don't forget to check out our Patreon for bonus episodes at the $5 and up tier and our Etsy store for merchandise. And if you're looking for more Stephen King discussions between episodes, you can visit our Discord page and the Facebook group Stephen King Lovers, SKL. They are a really awesome group of people. They have amazing discussions all the time. Please check them out. That's Stephen King Lovers, SKL. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.